This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for October 21st, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you here on the program. We've got a long-form conversation for you. It is me and our old friend, Kevin Ryan. He is going to uh, uh, help me with, you know, I like to do the big questions with him. What is the national mood? Obviously, we are going into the midterms. And look, there's a lot of X's and O's, issues that pull well, that don't pull well. Are they peaking at the right time? Are they fading when they shouldn't be? But everything is underpinned to this, the national mood. As with any of our conversations, it goes in many, many, many places. I hope you guys enjoy it. Without any further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Ryan. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Good to be here, brother. All right. We're in, I believe, the the the, the, the 20 day range. Oh, wait, hold on. My my Apple Watch is uh looking up Kevin Can Wait, the uh the, the sitcom. <laughs> uh, we are only a few days away from the midterms. And I got to say, I'm confused. I'm confused with <laughs> with uh, where this is going. I'm confused, I'm, I'm confused with the polling. But if there's one thing that I feel that this show can do better than any other political show on the planet, it is diagnose the vibes. And if there's anyone that I trust the most to have a conversation about this, it's you. So let me ask you this one simple question. And then as our conversations often do, it's going to go wherever it wants. <laughs> What is the national mood? Uh, I mean, confusion. You, you, you said it pretty well right there. Um, I think uncertainty and there's this, there, you know, uncertainty whether like the spiral of silence is in place where, you know, uh, opinions that have been labeled taboo are, are actually acceptable, but they're, you know, the powers that be aren't allowing them to be seen as acceptable or acceptable for whatever reason. Uh, or um, maybe, maybe the culture is shifting. Maybe. And I know that is happening because that's always happening, but like maybe it's moving in a direction that we didn't expect. And we'll find out on election day uh, well, because like, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry yeah, let, me, let me, let me just ask you, let, let's get even more elemental. Yeah. What matters? What matters in your life? You are a a a, a father of two out there in 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 Oklahoma. You you have a creative job, uh, so it's not you are not exactly a, a a blue collar toiler. But but right now, what matters? Oof. Um, I guess like politically. No, just in life. I mean, because let, let, let's oh, also assume yeah. that like. Political, po- yeah, political 100%, stuff. One hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Like political stuff comes from 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 the reality of of what you're living. And like uh, for people yeah. that, I mean, we're we're in the business of dissecting the minutia of the minutia of the minutia. The the, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, did did the pitch of the duck fart uh, uh, matter to uh, uh, what happened in the midterms? We don't know, uh, but we'll certainly get content out of it. But if we are actually like trying to to go forward, we have to start from square one. And for you you would say everything begins and ends with your kids. And so when you worry about or, or, or just plan for your life, I would assume in some order, the economy matters. Yeah. uh, Crime matters. Mm -hmm. The political, uh, uh, you know, I guess politics matters as much as it affects those two things, but uh, am I missing anything? So I I always think of the, this moment that we had in Iowa when yeah. it was the night of the caucuses, the, the, like total disaster. Oh, my God. And 
Fiasco. We were at that bar. Oh, just a total, total mess. And we were at, we were at that our bar. What was the name of that spot? Oh man, uh, they gave us the poker chips. Yes, yes, yes. I'll I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll uh, while, while, while you while you talk about it, uh, the Beachwood, so, I believe. Beachwood, Beachwood, Beachwood. Yeah, uh, we in were Des talking in Des Moines. Yeah, and we were talking to a uh, guy who had come from Oklahoma to caucus for Bernie. Yeah, and he he was. He was experiencing a lot of like conflict, but he had this satisfaction that he'd done the right thing. And he, you know, he, he was talking to you and me. And I remember you and I both having this, we, we do as we do. Yeah. And we were complaining about politics. And at one point he looked, <laughs> <laughs> he looked at us and he's like, you guys, it sounds like you hate politics. And, uh, we were fairly drunk at the time. We were, and we did. This is I, true. I was not satisfied with the answer because I, I can't remember it. I just, the thing I remember is bumbling, which is unusual for both of us. Yeah. Uh, but I've thought about that question quite a bit. And I think it's, I think it's a matter of the fact that we love politics insofar as it meets the criteria that Hannah Arendt set out where politics, when it's successful is the art of bringing people together. And then when it fails, it's the the mechanism of one against all. And I think there's very much a feeling right now of uncertainty with regard to where each of us is. Yeah. In that dynamic. Are we alone in this? Are we up against the, uh, the all? Yeah. Or uh, are, are we actually coming together? Yeah, you know, it's funny to go back to that moment in, in Des Moines, hazy though it was. And I think we both had <laughs> flights like hours after this conversation yep. was happening when we were yeah. in no position to I had to, to do a radio spot <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> uh, but I would say for me, the answer to that question has kind of always been the same. My goal with this show and anything that I do politically is to hopefully break things down on such an elemental and strategic level that people understand that elections and politics are not issues. They're not what matters. They are the mechanism by which we decide leaders, but that is in and of itself a game, you know, yeah. in that it, it requires game theory. It requires knowing the pieces on the board and, an easy way to get people to buy in is to make things seem like they mean more and not to say that issues don't matter. Of course, issues matter. But if you don't understand that there is a strategy to all this, then we can very easily come into this this place of demonization and this place of of getting away from what we began this conversation with, which is. Hey, what matters? Because I think if we were to actually sit there and list out everything outside of a political context, our answers would probably be around the same. I want uh, uh, I want some money and I would love to have uh, uh, enough money to not think about money as much as you do when you don't have money. I would like to be safe. I would like for my family to be safe. I would like for my friends to be uh, 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 around me. And I would like to have an idea of what's going to happen in the future. Like, I think like those are the things that, that kind of matter. And I, I think that right now we're in a very weird place because rare is it in our culture that we can all be on the same you know page about anything just because there's a lot of us, but we all knew that the pandemic sucked. We all knew <laughs> that lockdown sucked and whether or not you thought it was justified or whether or not you thought that the steps that went beyond that were something that that happened in the right way or in the right order or with the right force behind it. We all knew that that was bad. That was not a good time. Nobody was like, thank God this, this lockdown's <laughs> here, except for maybe the introverts. But beyond that, it, it got, it got tiresome for, for everybody. And now we're quote unquote free of it. Not the, the, you know, the, 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 the virologist take right in the same way that we'll never be free of a lot of diseases, but, <laughs> At least that culture has kind of passed. And yet now we realize that, wait, there might be economic hardships coming up. Like the 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 world that that was there in 2019 
is like gone, gone and it's gone, gone forever. And I feel like that's part of the confusion we are, we are in right now where we're, we're still sort of looking backward, wondering like, wait, so this is never going to come back. This element of, of life is never like, we're just going to build a new one. Okay. And that's scary. For sure. Yeah. I, um, I actually got one of the emails that I got from one of your listeners was for this book about the, the fight against nothingness. And mm. I, I think that's part of it. I, and it's because nothingness doesn't exist. It can't exist. Uh, but there's always the suspicion of nothingness. And I think that's what we've we'll collided with is this feeling of facing the abyss. But like what that involves like you just said right there is like the, the morning of a, of a time and a reality and the word, the world that's passed. Like when you, when you drive past like the, a building where a new building where your favorite restaurant used to yes. be. Like, and it's like, man, you know, after a while, nobody's going to know that that restaurant was there, let alone that they, they serve the best, you know, Philly steak or whatever. Uh, so I, I I think that there's part of it, like we're all witnesses to a change that feels insurmountable, but um, it, it's just because change and progress moves too much. The, the, the idea of progress is also fascinating to me because mm -hmm. it, we like since the Enlightenment, there is this obsession with progress as a good thing. Yes. Um, but and I think it's been weaponized by everybody. Or both both sides or all sides politically. Like if you know, we have the answer because this answer progresses us forward. Um, but it's like maybe maybe we maybe we need to linger. Maybe we need to think about things a little more thoroughly. Do you want to know what here? Let's. This actually might be a good time to have a have have a more sober conversation about something that I think we have all thought about. <laughs> How do you think the lockdown's going to be viewed in ten years? Yeah. Yeah. Because part of me is like, I remember when it was happening mm -hmm. and, and all the canonical conversation went back to George W. Bush reading about the Spanish flu and, and then mm -hmm. coming in and saying, Oh man, like what, what do we do if this happens tomorrow? And, and all of a sudden the CDC goes and, and puts in a plan and a lot of what happened was because of that, blueprint the blueprint of we need to keep people away from each other so it doesn't spread and i'm not here to really plant my flag in one place or another but from where i stand right now in the middle of october 2022 i wouldn't be shocked if in 10 years the lockdown is looked at as oh thank god millions of lives saved or that was an overreaction. We we should not have 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 done that. Maybe we should have put more into mitigating it on a medical level. We we should have, uh, you know, this this or maybe we'll we look at it just that it was an act of God. We we, we could not mm -hmm. have uh, we could not have, have figured it out. Except of course, you know, if we're gonna look at like the fact that this may have been engineered in a lab and maybe we should have known exactly <laughs> what was going to happen, but we were dealing with a partner that didn't want to talk about it. Either way, I, I wonder how it's, uh, how it's going to be viewed. If you were to put your money down on the table one way or another, where would it be? So I like that you began by framing that with regard to sobriety because yes. it's, there was, we were intoxicated by frenzy and uh, we were overwhelmed by an uncertainty that we had never faced before mm -hmm. us personal. Mm -hmm. And it changed all of us, everyone who, who is capable of remembering. And I think even like my, you know, we had my daughter, my first daughter during the pandemic. And I, I think there's, there's an L like, I remember looking at tapes or uh, we, you know, we had a running tape and I remember looking back at it uh like six months into the pandemic and it's like my wife and i saying like we've been on lockdown for one week <laughs> and it's like i mean if, if god forbid if that if something like that ever happened again it's like all right let's strap up let's do it like yeah. we can do this 
I hope that never, ever, ever, ever happens. I, 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 don't, I don't think you could. I honestly no. don't. I, I don't I, think I, we would do it. Because yeah. uh, uh, I know this is one of my big, my big things that like the world is patterns, right? If you, yeah. if you want to understand society, understand patterns, understand that all of these patterns of behavior that we have both conscious and, and unconscious are what guide us. And if we're going to define society, we can define it by what we do over and over and over and over again and why we wind up doing it. The lockdown was a pattern interruption and a pattern mm. creation the likes of which I can't even historically put into context, except for maybe like a draft or yeah. or a war for which everybody now, well, it doesn't matter that you were a carpenter. Now you're a gunner. It doesn't matter that you were a housewife. Now you have to, to rivet, you know, planes or something like that, that all of a sudden the thing that you were doing isn't what you were doing anymore. Now you're doing something else. And not only did that happen to all the white collar workers where all of a sudden now we're on zoom and now you're, you're inside now you can't leave, but also there was this real caste system situation where, all right, well, first responders, you get a lot of hooray doctors, nurses, you're putting yourselves in harm's way. We can understand that, but also Domino's delivery drivers, <laughs> pizzas ain't gonna deliver themselves you gotta yeah. be out there everybody else who works uh, uh you know at, at a counter somewhere blue collar mm -hmm. workers they didn't get a break and now all of a sudden everybody it, it drives me nuts whenever i hear on podcasts that people saying well we did we did we did and it's like yeah mm. we all went to college like, like we all had <laughs> desk jobs like we we and i say that me and 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 and, and you but it wasn't everybody what what wasn't the collective we, and and that's even more screwed up because now we're on a forked path. Yeah, I, li I like that. I like that angle too, like of of conscription. Yep. Um, because I feel there's there's a a critical theorist I've mentioned a few times on here, Byung Chul Han. He wrote. Uh, he's one of several critical theorists who wrote really good books about the pandemic during the pandemic, and the book I mentioned earlier about nothingness was also written during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so Han talks about, and the book is called uh, the palliative society. So it's a so society that's just so obsessed with cure and health and like the, like the, the medicine as religion that it has forgotten the importance of pain. And uh, it's, as it's a society that has given up freedom in the name of freedom. And mm. he talks about how like the, the real contagion of, and this is him, this is not me. The real contagion of uh, the COVID era was deeply social. It was more like socially uh, malicious than it was um medically and that's kind of ridiculous because <laughs> like you know like millions of people died uh yeah and and like you said you know maybe the lockdowns maybe they'll be remembered as something that saved millions and i, I think that's part of it i think part of there's like we'll reach a cohesion of those two those two things um uh, i don't know man i don't know but, how it'll yeah, be but, but it's also one of those things of like it's human nature to eventually get annoyed that the seatbelt chafes your belly and you forget, <laughs> and, and you forget yeah. that that is going to be there. Like it, it, it is mandated to be there because it materially uh, uh, can reduce auto fatalities. And, and like, we are always, that's why it's like, as a, as a you know, futurist question, I tend to lean probably to the side, especially during this conversation of thinking that we'll look at the lockdowns as a social negative because we'll remember when we felt bad if we didn't die of COVID. Because by, by its very <laughs> nature, it's going to be a jury of survivors. And they'll be like, well, yeah, but I got bored and my relationship went to, to crap or, or maybe it got better, but we were sure thrilled to go meet our friends again. And, and all the fun things that happened were after it. And so I don't think there's, I mean, cause certainly there was no, 
VD day uh, of <laughs> of uh, us celebrating. We did it, guys. We we successfully yeah. ended ended the lockdown. Congratulations! Wasn't it great that we all did it? Like we were mad when it happened. We were mad <laughs> while it was going on, and we're still mad because we don't agree that it ever should have ended. At least for some people. I and I dreamt of that moment. Really, that was like a mo- that was like a moment that got me through it. And I think like what I'm hearing from you is is uh, it's important. I think we need to look at politics from an anthropological perspective. And yes. that's that's what like during the pandemic, that's when we realized like, oh, you know, we aren't as maybe a- advanced as uh, as humans as we thought. Like we 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 may be like technologically ready for transhumanism, but we still resort to a sacrificial crisis during a time of disease. Like yeah. we still look for scapegoats. We like we're still the, like the frenzy and the panic and the weird competition and rivalries that spun out of this situation that should have had cohesion. Well, you know, like. Uh, right down to riots and yeah, uh, just violence and death in a way that was like because that's that's what was really surprising as well, and it shouldn't surprise us is that the the violence, the real world violence that erupted during the pandemic, and it's there's it's more complicated than that, you know. Obviously, yeah, there are social issues at play, but uh, you know, do you think that the the riots that followed the death of George Floyd would have happened without the pandemic. Not in the way that they did. I mean, I, and, yeah. and I don't think that it takes anything away from the underlying issue. Yeah. You get sick when you're stressed. Like, yeah. like, you know, that, that is, uh, and now we're using a metaphor <laughs> for another metaphor that also involves real <laughs> sickness. But I, I, I do think that when we were weakened, when, and again, it's like, for me, one of the biggest undercovered stories, if we're going to look back at this sociologically, is the fact that we made an underclass. There yeah. was there was an overclass and an underclass. The overclass was on Zoom and and we were complaining about how nothing new was on Netflix and and we had takes on Tiger King and Animal yeah. Crossing. And then there <laughs> was an underclass for which not only did their jobs never stop, it only got more dangerous. Yeah. No, that and that's the sacrificial element of it, where yeah. it's the the underclass. We just sort of all they they took a figurative sacrifice, and and sometimes yeah. a, a literal sacrifice. Like, and you're right for for the extra large pizza. I and 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 yeah, and it wasn't like they got a gigantic pay bump out of it. You know, at at best, you you uh, you know, for some folks, they were able to keep their gig. Because of, of of PPP loans or or you know the, the folks that needed to be out there were still out there, and then also it's like I don't think that those riots happen the same way that they happen if people got to show up to work, and I think a lot of the folks that yeah. were out there didn't. Uh, 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 and and you know this gets us into some some real real big big questions of exactly what is the human need for things to do like what yeah. is the human need and 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 replace it with whatever you want right it could be agrarian it could be uh, <laughs> uh you know uh, going to do a job a blue collar job a white collar job taking care of your kids whatever what is the human need for the thing for a role for for uh uh anything like that cuz i think we found a gigantic experiment of okay well what do you do? Yeah, uh, uh, that was that was a that was a question to be asked that everybody at some point on some level had to answer. Uh, so Simone Wheel, who's one of my favorites, she you know she wrote a book called The Need for Roots, and she, she's a fascinating figure. You know, she, she's was uh, a socialist who hated Marx, and she was uh, conservative, but um, also a radical and anarchist. She was a a Roman Catholic and in uh, the need for roots, she lays out um, the problems with society and the reason that we have wound up with uh, totalitarianism and then the way out of it. And in 
And here's where she buries or uh, departs from Marx very strongly is she she ends with this idea that like, you know, the work of the hands will save us. Like so work and labor is actually a good thing. And that yeah. like we can um, for her, it, it leads to a process of self-renunciation, which is like very biblical, but like has very uh political implications uh so i i think i think you're absolutely right and this is this is another conversation we're veering off as we always do this is another conversation i've been having lately about um just like within the next let's say 50 years you know what what's going to happen when we hit like 70 percent unemployment uh as a result of automation like what, I mean, what are we going to uh, do then? Uh, there's, so I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down this road because I've got, I've got a few friends in, in the world of AI and, and I don't know what comes next. Yeah. I know people who know what comes next and the way that they talk about it is for our modern economy near apocalyptic. Yes, and, it is apocalyptic. And not. And not necessarily even for the jobs that we have long talked about mm-hmm. being eliminated. Yes. Uh, in okay. fact, it's it's more on the 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 top end, the the places yeah. for whom, you know, uh, uh, every every uh, uh, in, 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 in the stereotypical sitcom where the mother says, well, why don't you become a blank or a blank Those surgeon jobs, or a lawyer? There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 like now what happens? When you have a private black box thing on your computer that gives you the best advice you could ever do. What happens mm-hmm. when, when that little black box can incorporate your business or do your taxes mm-hmm. or when you type in all your symptoms, it's not just the garbage that gets vomited up on WebMD. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that happens 24 seven that can make you that can make you better. Like what happens then to society is going to be something that's very, very interesting because it it ain't just going to be the like, you know, we, we've we've long lived in this very callous political world where where the the, the Rust Belt uh, uh, union worker all of a sudden has his job shipped to Mexico. And we're like, oh, well, bus tables, learn to code. Uh, life moves on. Yeah. I don't have a magic wand to bring these jobs back. What happens when everybody you went to college with starts losing their job, including us? I mean, like, what if uh, well, in not a world where AI can create infinite takes? Eventually, yeah. there's going to be something as good as this. Oh yeah, well, I th- I'm sure we'll be safe. No, exactly. Sure. What, no, what uh, happened to us? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think this uh, going back to underclass. We'll have a new underclass, and it'll. I mean that the radical in me is very fascinated in what that world would look like. Like uh, where the, the Domino's delivery guys are the billionaires. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't uh, Marx and, and his uh, the people who have followed in his footsteps would say that we, that'll be the time where we all get to be a poet and we all get to, you know, uh, it'll be a time of leisure. Um. I think part that's partly true, but um, I can the I world hope- stand that much bad poetry. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we we both into college. We've we've heard a lot of bad woof, poetry. Woof, woof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I trust think- me for for every for everybody listening that didn't go to college, that's the one part for which you can be blessed that that you did not oh. have to go through. Everybody's everybody uh, uh, trying their artistic roots, <laughs> and boy, uh, uh, is there a strata. Quick time out because we need to let you guys know that the way that you can really, really experience the midterms, all the ups, all of the downs, the little polling spike, the scandal that doesn't fall into our normal purview of coverage. Well, you're going to want to get on the Patreon. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, $3 level. And we're only talking like $9 at this point. Nine dollars is is what it takes to get on the Patreon through the midterms. You get two bonus episodes each and every week, not month, week. 
I know some of these Patreons, oh, don't worry, you get, you get a, uh, the three bonus episodes a month. Screw that. No, 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 no. Eight bonus episodes a month. Sometimes uh, more than that, depending on where the calendar falls. You get a Sunday show talking about all of the, the meet the presses and the face the nations and everything. It's basically a way that we can catch up with what happened last week, what the elite parties are talking about, or they want you to think about going into the next week. Kind of tips their playbook a little bit. Then, of course, we have the late edition. That's our podcast that happens on Thursday. Friends, it's just so simple. Head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Sign up at the $3 level. Now's the time to do it. Spend that $9. Oh, my God. So simple. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I think that's what, and Hannah Arendt said this, this is the biggest flaw in Marx's, uh, Marx's ideas is that you never actually get freedom. Uh, you can get an unfreedom that, that allows you to be free from the constraints of labor, but you're, you're still not free. You'll still never be free. Um, what I'm hoping is that uh, this AI will guide us to a place of freedom, I I think uh, what's his name, Ray Kurzweil, Ray, yeah, Ray Kurzweil, yeah. and, and the idea Kurzweil, of the, sing- yeah. the the singularity. I I'm hoping that there's like uh, that we merge, that we merge with AI. I think that's what'll I think that's what will probably happen, and that you know will heighten our humanity and uh, the singular. It'll be a multiplicity instead of a singularity. <laughs> well, you know, in, in so many ways, we already have. We're talking about college. A, a buddy mm-hmm. of mine, his daughter, just went there, uh, went to college, and she was describing her orientation, and the orientation was basically boiling down the line between when Google is cheating and when Google <laughs> is not cheating, because huh. this has become such. A, a it is it is the the first response. I mean, we we grew up yeah. and went to a large portion of our of our schooling through at least elementary and middle school, and then if you were a super nerd, you were you were on the internet in high school, and then certainly through college. But like Googling was new. It was a it was a yeah. treat. It was it was something that came along for them. They were they they they, they grew up with it. Uh, so I do think to a certain extent we've already merged at least socially. Yeah. With connecting to the all of the world's information, the only question is exactly how fast it gets to us, and how talented you need to be to find exactly what you want. Yes. So, uh, Kevin Kelly is another uh, futurist who I really like. Uh, the Inevitable is his book. It's a great, really great, straightforward. He was uh, he was one of the co-founders of Wired magazine, and what his his idea is that like. The age of being a um, being an expert in technology is, is over. Everybody from now on is uh, just a variation of uh, a newbie, a beginner. It's it's all too advanced for any one of us to to have expertise beyond very focused areas. Uh, and and that sounds daunting and uh, horrific, but I find it comforting. Uh, I I find it there's like because I have trust in humans and humanity, and it's like uh, it's like the, the Apostle Paul says, love is the fulfillment of the law. I, I think I think that's I believe in that. I believe that ultimately humanity's good, and that the, these instruments that we've created and these these objects of technology will lead us toward the law. Let me let me kind of uh, bridge two of our our, our previous topics here for you, because I just had a thought while we were talking. If we all went through a situation where the government told us for reasons that we agreed with uh, that we needed to stay inside and the businesses had to close and that we would take. PPP money if you needed it. And otherwise everybody would get these stimmy checks in the mail. 
Do you think that that heightens at least the realistic fear that government can radically change our lives? And I'm going to relate it very specifically to the Dobbs decision and abortion. Do you think that that is part of the reason why we have seen the kind of reaction that we have seen to it, not just because it is the fulfillment of a story that began oh so many decades ago when Roe was decided and everything that's happened since then, but also because we literally just saw uh, the world change so radically. So the idea that it could change radically on lines for which have been predicted for decades matters more than it would otherwise. Ah, That's such a good question. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think the threat of totalitarianism is is very real. Um and I think I think as you pointed out earlier, I think COVID was a a good example of that. Uh with regard to Roe and the uh, of to Dobbs and the overturning of Roe. Yeah. Like flesh that out a little bit more. That connection. Well, I mean, I think that that Obviously, on the Democratic side, the, the the one thing for which polling has shown is the accelerant for Democrats. And we will find out whether or not is the defining issue of these midterms in a few weeks is the idea that Roe. I know we said it a lot before, but now Roe is really yeah. on the ballot. Uh, January 6th, uh, January 6th. And, 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 and it feels more gee, that's such an afterthought. Uh, uh, remind me, I have a funny January 6th story, though. I'll tell you off air, um, uh, which is normally such a source of hilarity. But uh, the, the idea that this could go from zero to handmade tale uh, yeah. uh, is is very much front of mind for a lot of voters in the places that Democrats need them to turn out, namely cities. Mm-hmm. I feel like. The fact that we just saw our entire society overturned Mm -hmm. uh, for everybody, everybody saw a change, even if it was somewhere where you were staying home or you were still out working, that it feels more realistic. It feels more Mm -hmm. realistic than if everything had just kind of continued in the same direction. But then again, I don't know whether or not the lesson that people get from that is, oh, you know radical change it happens we just went through it what this radical change is something that we would deal with as well or if it's so terrifying what just happened that you desperately don't want it to happen again and this is obviously divorcing some of the specifics of of of, of the abortion question and just more how do you sell that the world is about to dramatically shift whether or not it's true after it already has does it make it more or less potent yeah, okay, I see. So I I would look at this from a sociological perspective with and as the masses. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's like mindless mm-hmm. masses. Because I think that like the masses determine so much of what an era is. Yes. Like I um and I think that the the masses are ultimately conservative but kind hearted. And, and like, I think most of us, when we come into life, we have all these big realizations about life and what we ultimately want to do is to have mattered by the end of it. Mm. And I think that a lot of people are looking around at, um, at the world and thinking, you know, I am very happy with progress. I'm, I'm, I am all about justice. But I think things have gone in the wrong direction and I want to take them in a new direction. And I think that I think that direction is sort of I don't think it's going to be like the pendulous jump. No, you know, we're not we're not going to like all become like right wing militia. (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I mean, there's like there there's a reason why the, uh, you know, the Latino community in Florida is moving to Republicans and they're, they're very swayed by DeSantis. I think, and I think the the latest, the latest, the latest, the latest polls nationwide effectively have the Latino community at where they were in 2020, which has been a a, a steady erosion from uh, uh, especially where the Democrats were in, in the mid nineties. 
But uh, uh, we will see whether or not those polls are are accurate because it it always it seems like you know one of the things that I'm kind of betting on and not you know uh, uh, because I want it to happen one way or another, but I do want to be correct is that. <laughs> Boy, don't we always have the same conversation after an election that the polls were wrong. So, like, how many yes. times does that need to happen before we just assume the polls are wrong? Here's another thing, too, that I've recently discovered just from, you know, from being within conservative media is that, like, one thing that's different this time is that uh, conservatives are uh, and Republicans are not answering the surveys. They're like refusing. They're like, I don't trust those things. And that movement has happened like in mass. So, so that's, like that's that's one of the things. And I've been trying to get the dude from Trafalgar on uh, because he he made news saying exactly this, that, that Trafalgar, which, you know, uh, three cycles ago was the crackpot. Uh, a Republican leaning poll. They still are yeah. a Republican leaning poll, but they've wound up being more accurate because when the polls have been wrong, they've been wrong on the side of underestimating Republican turnout. Uh, but his, his point is uh, uh, that people will contact Trafalgar to find out whether or not the Trafalgar survey they got was really them and isn't. Wow. And isn't some, uh, 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 you know, uh, you know, government fishing operation where they're they're just trying to catalog all of all of the Republicans. And he Do says, you and own this is guns. Where, yeah, I mean, and this is and this is where I don't think it, uh, uh, I find Robert Cahe, uh, uh, I believe is uh, or Calais. Uh, I, I forget exactly how to pronounce his last name. I think Trafalgar is is an invaluable resource personally, yeah. because even if you're literally, you know, our, our friend Evan Scrimshaw, who comes on the show and handicaps some of the races, he he compares them to the guy who just bets the under, you know, in every and <laughs> everything. And eventually you're going to be right if if there's a low scoring thing. But I tend to think even if they're just doing that. Scoring's down. So maybe betting the under <laughs> is a really, really smart strategy uh, uh, to do. But I don't think he does himself a lot of favors when, you know, what, what his his point on top of that was that it it is, from their point of view, happened more since Biden gave that really, uh, uh, you know, yeah. A speech about how MAGA Republicans are the enemy of the state and he looked like the emperor and he had guards, you know, Marines in the background and it was very ominous. Red. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, they're supposed to be Democrats are supposed to be the ones that care about art and stagecraft uh, unless unless they do. And that's really what they wanted, which was an odd, an odd choice for the, 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 uh, the moderate candidate. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if that is real. Yeah, um, I think it is. I think in this situation it is. And I, I think, like, it also is. I mean, I think, like, in 2016, you know, like the HuffPo uh, prediction that, you know, nine, 99, oh, 99 to 1. <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like, you just pulled the newsroom. Uh, like, they didn't leave the newsroom. Well, no, I mean, I think I think that's that's one of those things where it, there, there's probably a book to be written about the the rise and fall of numbers in politics <laughs> that, you know, the nothing was ever going to be sweeter for the numbers crowd than Nate Silver getting all 50 states right in uh, uh, 2012. Like that was, you know, the whole is Nate Silver a wizard thing <laughs> like that was. That was it. It was never going to get better than that. It has only gotten worse. We've only gotten more of these embarrassments where what is supposed to be a clarifying meta understanding of all these polls only winds up being an amalgamation of a bunch of flawed product that turns into an even more flawed product. Uh, uh, and and I don't know. I, I do think that there is a larger major issue with polling that people aren't you're not able to get representative samples. And so you do yeah. more and more waiting. And the more waiting you do, the more everything is just kind of a guess. Yeah. I think, we, I think we might need new methods and it might be, uh, this is a terrible idea, but <laughs> might involve like, uh, surreptitiously using, uh, media or social media. Uh, but that's also tricky because there's so many bots now. Well, but also uh, you're not getting an actual 
representative collection there either. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's oh, yeah. The, the, the key. The key is you need a representative selection. Yes, and, and that's that's identifying that has always been a problem. But the greatest technology that was ever invented for it was the dial-up telephone. Yeah. It, when you had one dial-up telephone in your house and you were able to ring it and socially we were conditioned to pick it up. We were conditioned to talk to strangers. We were conditioned to strangers knowing our numbers because they were printed in books called the white pages. Uh, like that was the that was the, the 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 nadir of this. And it's never been as good since. The question is, what happens the further we go along? Do we figure out a better way to do it? Do we just trust them less and less? Because like right now, I mean, hell, you're you're in this game too. How much of our political media ecosystem is fed either directly or indirectly on the polls? Yeah. And um, I, I've learned this lesson as a father is uh, like uh, the authority of adulthood is uh, sort of an illusion. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you're like the pace of life is like beyond comprehension. And like what, what matters is attention, your ability to slow down and pay attention to the world around you and to yourself and to the people you love and care about. I think that's ultimately our solution to th this like tremendous uncertainty until we all get chipped. And then like <laughs> once we get chipped, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I can tell you exactly who's going to win each moment. It's like the uh, public opinion has suddenly shifted in this way, like to the T. Uh, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But, you know, yeah, because then. A lot of what I've what I've realized when you look back at like science fiction or futurist thought is there is this assumption of representative mass adoption. Oh, wow. Right. Like, yeah. like, OK, well, AI will affect society because we'll all have access to AI. Yeah. But will we? Be it yeah. by cost or culture or region or whatever, like these things never happen universally even now we are we are still at a point of internet expansion uh, yeah. uh you know i was um at a bar in savannah my hotel bar in in savannah and i wound up getting to talking to these uh this nice young couple that was on their way down to epcot and you know they have older phones they're not particularly uh uh, uh web savvy and, how old were they they were a little bit younger than us. Uh, uh, I would, I would, I would place them in their in their mid to late twenties. But they're from the country, you know. They they uh -huh. they both grew up out in out in uh, North Carolina, and compared to 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 us, that could probably list the seven screen names we had when we were thirteen. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, they were not. They're not. They're on a different journey, and we would probably consider now the internet, the most democratized technology that there is post smartphone, where the only mm -hmm. thing you really need to buy in is a hundred dollars and $10 a month after that. And at the very least you're on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but even then it, it's probably not as even as we think there's no guarantee that we are going to see that for, for, you know, even more revolutionary technology. Yeah. So, so what was their, what was their take on everything? On, they were on funny. The tech? They, it was, well, yeah, no, they, we really didn't talk much about the tech, the, the most political stuff that we talked about. They were, they were a, a, a very, a very nice lesbian couple who I found out met during softball, which I was like, this is even too That's much amazing. of a, uh, like, like you guys, know this <laughs> parody, and they're like, yes, we do. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, her thing was, she kind of like, Slow walked around the idea that she was a, a, you know, they're more on the conservative side. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, well, I, I'm really not surprised by that because I've, yeah. I found that a lot, a lot of this is it's, it's not on the identitarian lines that we often think uh, uh, there's regionality to it. And probably the biggest definer as we see it right now is urban and rural. 
if you are urban, you're more likely to have liberal views. And if you're rural, you're more likely to have conservative views. And that's just kind of that. I mean, uh, you and I are, are, are both kind of obsessive about finding these uh, uh, pivot points. And, and to me, that's the only one I think I can reliably bank on. Yeah. And, and uh, right now going by the state of city versus rural, uh, cities aren't doing as well. I, I think in general, I think uh, certain cities aren't doing as well. And the, whereas in the country, I, you know, I, I live close to Tulsa. You've been to my house to, mm-hmm. close to Tulsa, but like 10 minutes away from just straight country. And I've got family out there and it's, there are two different worlds. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, you don't, you don't, there's not like mass homelessness uh, and homelessness that I think is being, you know, handled badly. Uh, it, like to the harm of well, because everybody. Nobody, Cause nobody in the city can understand why. Right. Yeah. And, and everybody's got, everybody's got their own pet reason. I gave why. them a $600 tent. Why aren't they happy? Like, well, and, and also it's like, <laughs> this is, I mean, there's probably like, what I'm going to do is, is probably a, a, a pretend that I invented this thing and it's actually a core tenant of like philosophy. So please stop me whenever <laughs> I get embarrassing, but like, the concept of I see a problem, it must be my caused by my not even the solution that I have the solution, but it's caused by my pet issue or the mm. thing that I know the most about is something that is that is rampant. Right. And I, I've I've had this uh, uh, rant on the show uh, a bunch, but like part of the reason why we wound up moving from California beyond the housing costs, beyond everything else was because of the wildfires. And the wildfires would happen multiple times a year by the time that we left. My wife had asthma. It was it was becoming something that would affect her for longer and longer the more she was around it. And it always happened because faulty power lines by the power company PG&E. It was never a surprise. You always knew it was like, oh, well, where did the power line go down that caused the forest <laughs> fire that choked out the Bay Area for, for a week and a half? And yet. Because global warming is something that people care so deeply about in the Bay Area and environmentalism is something that people care so deeply about, it became a thing that you would excuse away because this was our sin revisited. Mm. The skies are being choked out for an almost spiritual comeuppance. Like Mm. we, we, we use plastics Therefore, I drive a gasoline car. Therefore, I deserve to get choked out by by this uh, uh, cloud of our own making, as opposed to the more mechanical. Oh, PG&E won't replace their power lines. Uh, uh, and and that's that's something that I find I find really interesting. And, and homelessness is another version of that. Like homelessness exists too many because rent is high. And that's not to say the rent isn't high, especially right now. Rents, rent is spiking, right? The cost to own a home is high. So the idea that, that we want to see ourselves in the blight, we want to see ourselves in, in, in those dark uh, uh, smoke clouds. We want to see ourselves and our own failings in the homeless population is fascinating. To me, that it's that it's not, you know, because I would say for the homeless population, uh, a lot of it's fentanyl, you know? Yeah. Yes. And and that's that's a mechanical solution that's saying, hey, we've got a drug epidemic and it mm. was the, you know, it was crack for certain communities in the 80s and 90s. It was opioids for a certain community in in, in, the, in the 2000s and the 10s. And mm. now it's fentanyl and fentanyl is by its pharmacological nature, a more dangerous situation than either of those two uh, 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 were. And yet, if we are to understand that drug dependency is something that can lead people to want to live on the street, then that also explains stuff. But then again, maybe that's because I'm obsessed with addiction. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, all these idiots think it's about price controls when really it's about this brilliant thing that I thought of. So I'm probably <laughs> doing the exact same thing. 
I, I don't think so. I, I think it, you're right that it is multifaceted, but I think that um, uh, fentanyl is pretty high up there, and and the and the response to it, this sort of like the pr- progressive response, uh, where it's like, you know, we, our goal is to the victim, which I agree with, but it's like, as a result, we should like forgive all crime. Whereas like this sort of like um, on the right, it's like, you know, like on the left, it's like, let's blame society on the right. It's like, let's completely and totally blame the individual. Uh, And there you also get into issues of like uh, my what man, my wife is obsessed with. Have you ever seen the soft white underbelly channel on YouTube? No, it's great. He every day he he airs an interview with. A lot of like uh, people who are homeless, but all all kinds of people like that. And a lot of what the issues, a lot of the people are homeless as a result of being stuck in the the foster care system. Oh, wow. You know, and that that leads to crime and, uh, you know, a lot of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like it's really hard to say. What I what I draw out of it is like my unending contempt for activism. <laughs> like, all right, uh, my, all right, bring us home. Like, bring us home on this. Yeah, uh, because I think it's like with activism, you're forced to say like, no, 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 it's not multifaceted. The it's forest this. fires, yeah, the forest fires. And by the way. The, the this new this new mentality of like the progressive left or like specifically the climate activists is like you said deeply theological and it's it's like it's a form for all of its like hatred of christianity it's a form of uh christianity that's deeply purit like puritanistic yes and uh and you know, there, there's, there are no, there's no shortage of books being written about that right now. Um, but I, I think we need to sort of tech, take a step away from that and be able to see, see the nuances, but it's also, there's also the issue of like, you know, nuances are, are complicated and you have to slow down and, and really think about them and talk about them. Um, which maybe that's why Plato said, you know, the, the wise King should be the, the ruler. Um, <laughs> but well, I don't, I don't and, know. And, and I do, I do think that part of it is, and this is again, one of my meta, my meta theories. I'll probably, this will be like my last words as I'm dying as a, as a 90 year old, <laughs> but like, you know, we are still in an awkward adolescence with the internet. <laughs> be my, the last things I say, uh, but I do think part of it is one of the largest questions that we still have to ask of our generation is what happens when all of a sudden the world can talk to each other overnight. And, yeah. and, and I feel like we still haven't fully wrapped our heads around exactly what that means. Even if we're living our lives doing it right now, that, that a lot of the, the changes and, and the situations that we're seeing should be a natural outgrowth. When you look at it like that, that, that a, a society that couldn't instantaneously talk to each other all the time, everywhere now can, and this is part of it, including the activism, because especially when you add in the ability to make payments online <laughs> and around a lot of nonprofits, not a single one of them would ever let a good crisis go to waste. So oh, they no. could explain exactly why they needed to be there because nothing drives donations like a crisis. And so and if you even look at that, sublimate that. So it's not even just about money. It's about attention. It's about yeah. clout. It's about reputation. It's about where you go from there. And and now there's going to be a lot of people that will point to a lot of things and say, well, this is another example of blank. Yeah, I, I don't think money is as big a factor as a lot of people think for especially politically. I, I think like even power is, is tied up in that. But I think like people genuinely have an idea that they need to commit they they're like it's the sort of utilitarian approach of like well yes you know the, there will be some sacrifices along the way but you know it's worth it in order to like save the climate or to, you know on the right to like to save the culture and save tradition 
Um, I, I say no, man. The, just, right. the, we need to get rid of utilitarianism. Because no we gave everybody no sacrifices, youth it worth it. Uh, uh, because we we uh, uh, gave everybody five million words on this question, we will now end <laughs> by giving them one word. Uh, uh, I will go first if you want a few seconds to think about it. But the national mood is a one word answer. Uh, uh, you go ahead and take some time. I would say scared. The yeah. national mood is scared. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say determined. Mm. Okay. Determined. All right. I'll, I'll unpack that a little. Where, 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 where do you, where do you, where do you get to determined from? Um, I think people want something different and there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for change approaching. And we'll, we'll see what that is. I think that then that's like a truism of, of elections, but I think yeah. it's a little, a little different this time. We're all, we're all a little different. We are in, I would say historically, the parties have changed constantly. There's constantly rebellions yeah. and there's movement ideologically and there's drift uh, that happens every single election cycle. But the Republican Party in 2016 went through a schism. They are still reconciling <laughs> with that schism. Yeah. The Democratic Party hasn't. Yeah. And if they lose here and like, let's say they lose the Senate in some of these races that they think are in the bag. We're talking about Senator Herschel Walker, like uh, the day after the midterms, like. And then we see a lackluster performance by whoever their nominee is in 24. I feel like we're at schism time at 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 that point for for the democrats so if we have a dual I schism so. then yeah. then that's a lot of things are in play a lot of things uh, uh you know maybe the republicans will be ahead of the democrats on reforming on some kind of compromise point but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen there's no guarantee that, that that the democrats do do split off but i think that part of the promise that their united leadership shows now is at least we'll be able to pick our candidate the right way. And that's cool when you're winning. Yeah. It's not as cool when you're losing. And if you yeah. lose, that's when people start to get a little, uh, well, what's the point of you guys, except for uh, ordering catering for yourself. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I hope for this schism, not for just for, like, as somebody who loves America, I think it'd be good for them. I, they've, they've had the, the mic for too long. And they're starting to say some wacky stuff, man. <laughs> well, but that's but I mean, look, if if you if you want less wacky stuff, then then you are voting against the schism because yeah. the schism is only going to add for more wacky yeah. stuff. Wacky, it, like a, a schism never caused everybody to calm down. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> the schism causes people to get really fired up. Uh, uh, Kevin Ryan, of course, one of my favorite people to talk to. I'm glad we were able to do it uh, before the midterms, because I think a lot of this stuff is, is probably either consciously or subconsciously going through people's minds. Where can people find more of you? Uh, tw uh, Twitter at uh, the underscore Kevin underscore Ryan. All right, man. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, brother. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. I want to thank our guest, Kevin Ryan. If you want to find him on Twitter, you can go to px3guest.com. Letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Send in your email for the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com tweet the show at px3 tweets you can find our podcast and share it px3politics.com if you'd like to support us with a one-time donation you can do so paypal.me slash pay jury on venmo where again the money's not real it's just a number on your phone okay so if you want to share a fake number with me you can do so justin dash young dash 20 cash app is px3 cash and you can send anything you would like to me in the mail p.o box 153184 austin texas 78735
1515. Again, post office box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. One more time, if you want to get bonus content, only place to do it is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Andres, Matt, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and, Glor- and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arzlandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Stephen, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Diana, turned. Two, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert Casey, Paul is awesome, Brad, Richard, D Laser, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, The Gen, A L D L D L D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you would like to join these fine folks, especially in these episodes where we are up against the midterms, takepoliticsseriously.com. Sign up at that $10 tier. Ooh, baby. Oh, baby. Can you feel it? Next week, it is, for my money, the most consequential and possibly calamitous Senate debate of my lifetime. Oz Fetterman. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. Oh, I cannot wait. That is on our plate. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more. Man, they're out here discussing politics, but this... This is the only show that dares discuss Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.